Well, once again, welcome. For those of you joining us online, it is so good to be with you. Um, and like Natalia said, my name is Ilsian, and I get to lead with, along with my husband and the team, this wonderful faith community we call Evergreen. And up here is our youth director. Makayo. Makayo, <laughs> which means Matthew, right? Yes. For those of us that like um, may not have, might have trouble pronouncing that. Um, but uh, we are so glad you're here. And today uh, we are talking about um, imagination and fear. And Mikhail is going to be sharing a bit of his story. So you are in for a treat. You get to hear and know a little bit more about him. Um, so let's start with this story. In the spring of this year, I got to sit in in a pastor's gathering where Tim Mackey, who is the founder of The Bible Project, which is a resource that um, provides a a more well-round-out study of the Bible in video-illustrated form. And so I was there, and he was talking and sharing about his personal story of renewal. And he said this. He said, My underdeveloped soul had led to an impoverished imagination. My imagination had become secularized. I found myself a victim of principalities blinded to the reality of God. Impoverished imagination. There was something about those two words that resonated deeply within my soul. See, imagination is the power of the mind to form mental images. And I remember that as a six-year-old, I can vividly remember this, standing in front of my grandma's boombox. For those of you that have no idea what a boombox is, we'll get a picture in a minute. But I vividly remember standing there and dancing and singing along to Los Tigres del Norte. Now, only the Latino people in the room were like, okay, we know what that is. Let me, let me explain it to you for my friends that may not be familiar with Los Tigres del Norte. It is a Norteño group from Sinaloa, Mexico. And what Norteño is, it's, it's this genre of music that uses a lot of accordion. So there's a lot of like, you know, like banda, you know, like a lot of... Anyway, so, so this Norteño group... I, it was the song, I remember the song, Puerta Negra Sale Sobrando. So it's just talking about a black door and how it's getting in the way of their love, you know? And here I am as a six-year-old girl loving this jam and dancing along to it as the cassette plays. Oh, for those of you that know what a cassette is, that's what it looks like, okay? This used to be how we listened to music back in the day. But see, I'm telling you this story because my kid mind thought the way that I imagined this happened, that the ability for me to hear the music was that because there must be miniature versions of this band in the boombox. And that is how I'm able to hear them. That is how my six-year-old imagined boomboxes to work. 
So, Makai, is there any silly things that you remember imagining as a child? Yeah, so when I, when I was younger, I was still trying to figure out exactly how Wi-Fi worked. And um, I, I had a bedroom upstairs, and our router was downstairs. And I was getting a new Xbox, and I thought that my dad was like a master carpenter, because I thought that, there, that the way that Wi-Fi worked was that you had to connect everything to the router. So I thought that there were like wires like through the walls and through the floors and everything. And so when I was getting the Xbox in my room, I was like, how are we gonna, we're gonna have to like put a cord through the floor and through the wall and then through the ceiling. And the, that, that is not how it works in case you're wondering. <laughs> I can't fully explain it, but that, that is what I thought. That was where my imagination went. I'm very logical when it comes to that. See, and some of the things that we imagine, especially as a kid, they're really silly. Um, and maybe for me, it was a lack of resources. That was like the one cassette we had and we repeatedly listened to it. And you know what happens when the, 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 the in a Spanish, <laughs> la cinta comes out, you get a pen and then you like try, there's some words that I don't know in English, guys, still pray for me. But anyway, see, we didn't have a TV, um, so that was it for entertainment. And so there I was as a six-year-old being entertained. Um, but imagination, I want us to try something. I, I read it in one of the books this week, so I, I want to be able to try it with you. If I say, right there where you are, whether you're here in the room or watching online, think of a tree, and you picture a tree, you, my friend, have an imagination. Yes. Good job. Congratulations. <laughs> there you go. Be proud of yourself. If you've said, oh, I don't have an imagination, yes, you do. I just proved it. <laughs> and you can even imagine things that do not exist. Like a tree with blue leaves. You just pictured it in your head, right? No, I did. I did. You saw, uh, you saw a, a tree with blue leaves which doesn't exist. And there you go. That is your imagination. See, our imaginations are a wonderful gift from God. And the Bible is a literal and literary book that beckons our imaginations. Jesus is so good at it. He tells stories and he creates these images in our minds, like when he says, I am the vine and you are the branches. We see it, right? We see it in our mind's eye, what Jesus is talking about. And see, through imagination, things are created. And God is our creator. And because we are made in the image of God, he has given us minds to create too. So through the power of imagination is how we can do this. C.S. Lewis, one of my favorite authors, had a remarkable ability to combine reason and imagination. So let's look at this quote from The Weight of Glory. He says, Our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea, we are far too easily pleased. And see, scholar Dr. Art Lindsay says that the mud pies and the holidays at the sea help us glimpse or imagine what it means to be far too easily pleased or too impoverished in our own desires. 
He was so good at it. And then we see it in the Chronicles of Narnia, right? Although it was written for for kids and children, um, the reality is that we've all come to read and enjoy it. Even I think as an adult, I enjoyed it more than as a kid. Like, I really enjoyed what he wrote. And he created wonderful worlds through the imagination. And it was inspired by the word of God. And see, there have been many times that I've been told, oh, you don't want me to use my imagination. It's too much, you know. Or I'm too wild. Like, And usually my response is like a polite smile because I don't really know how to respond to that. Um, but see, I've been doing some studying and some research and listening to some theologians talk about ima- imagination and God. And so the next time that I'm given that answer, my follow-up is going to be, tell me more. Help me understand what you mean by too much. Is it negative? Is it dark? Because the reality is that all humankind has inherited a sinful nature, right? Every part of man, heart, body, and mind is affected by sin. And so it's good to remember this. Imagination is given by God, affected by sin, and redeemed by Jesus. And so imagination plays a role in our thinking and in our lives, and that's important because Carlos, the E-team, and I are inviting you to imagine more. See, we want to be the best place for kids and youth and the best place for relationships and the best place for generosity. So we want to continue to make it the best place for youth. And Makaya, you are going to help us create that. Yes. You're going to help us imagine that. So I have a few questions for you. Okay. When did you first come to Evergreen? Yeah, so I first made Evergreen my home church uh, when I made my faith my own, which was in seventh grade, so 2013. So a, a full decade ago. <laughs> that's, that's a long time. <laughs> um, They're laughing at a middle version of Makaya. Oh, Mikhail. there he is. Isn't it dairy laughter? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> um, it, was, it was a time where um, my parents let me know that they would not be attending church weekly anymore. And so I was very excited because that meant that I got to sleep in on Sunday mornings. I was excited about that. But I had a friend at middle school. His name was Calvin, and he invited me to a youth group. And I asked him where it was at. And where it was at was actually a church that I had attended for a little bit as a kid. And that church was evergreen. And so I got to come back, um, and I really got to make my faith and my relationship with Jesus my own. It was independent from my parents, and that's when Evergreen became, became my place, my dwelling place. So tell me more about that decision, because as a middle schooler, mm-hmm. like you decided, I'm going to do this on my own. I want to do this. What made you like say a bold yes to Jesus? <laughs> Or say yes to being part of this community. Yeah. Um, it was my community. It was, it was my friends. Um, I saw a lot of them, and they, they had a, a joy in the way that they treated people and lived their lives that I was like, that, that is neat. That is cool. And it's something that I needed, and I was missing. And it made that decision that much easier to mm-hmm. make because I saw the impact that community and faith had in my friends, and I, I wanted that too. So as a youth, um, you, I want to find out how did you serve or how did you invest your time? Yeah. Uh, I, of course, participated in our Wednesday night youth group. 
uh, when Brad was the youth pastor here. Um, I was part of our teardown and setup crew for the Tuesday market during the summer. Uh, E-Youth used to have the space right above where the old Starbucks was, and we'd bring couches and games and foods and snacks, and it was just a, a space for youth to hang out, and I was part of that team. And then junior year, I joined the middle school team on Sunday mornings. That is so cool, and I think that's where I met you. Mm-hmm. Carlson yep. and I visited November 2019, and Makai was up there leading a game, and I thought, man, this guy knows how to have fun. <laughs> you know, it was really cool, but we want to be the best place for kids because we exist to help people find and follow Jesus here, near, and far. So today we want to invite you to imagine more. And for you to imagine more in your life and in this community, you need to look more into your imagination. Because last week we looked at a story about uh, the parable of the talents, it's called, and Carlos and Kim kind of talked about it. But Jesus shares this short story that's found in Matthew 25, verses 14 through 25. So, Micaiah, would you please read it for us? And you guys yes. can follow along um, either in your Bibles or your apps or on the screen. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earn five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. You're familiar with that parable, right? You've heard it before. You definitely heard it last week if you're here. And in the verses that follow, verses 20 to 23, we read and we find out the, the guy that was given five uh, talents, or this version says bags of silver, he came back with five more. And he said, I invested your, 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 what you gave me, the talents that you gave me, so here is five more, right? And then the second servant comes, he received two, and he invested all of it, and so he comes back with two more, all right? So far, so good. That's what's supposed to happen, right? When we invest our money, it's supposed to grow and double. And so they did that, and they came back, and so the master says, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with the little. Let me place you over much. But there was a third servant that went about it differently. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And I I do want to point out that each receives a significant sum of money. See, a talent is equal to about 6,000 denarii. That was the currency of that time. And since one denarius is a common laborer's daily wage... A talent would be roughly equivalent to 20 years of wages for the average worker. So five talents, that's the largest amount entrusted to any of these servants, is comparable to 100 years worth of labor. Isn't it a crazy amount? It's an astronomical amount that they're entrusted with. So when I like found that out, I'm like, man, what does this mean? And I think that it means this, that Jesus 
has entrusted you, has entrusted us with his greatest treasures. They are, they are priceless and infinitely more, the Bible says, than what we can ask for or imagine. Infinitely more. And I know that is such a wide amount for us to consider and for us to really understand. But it says, with the reaction of the third servant, we've read it, but we're going um, to read it. It says, verse 24 or 25. It says, then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man. Harvesting crops you didn't plant, gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. So could it be, and this is my observation of this text, could it be that this servant who hid what was given to him had an impoverished imagination? That he couldn't really imagine what he could do with this one talent that Jesus gave him. Micaiah, when you were studying this passage in Scripture, what was something that you related to? Yeah, honestly, uh, I related to the third servant. Uh, we all go through seasons, right? And I, I think back to a season in my life. It was uh, winter of 2019, and that was actually near the time that you and Carlos visited for the first time. Um, I had just graduated from Glencoe High School, and I was attending PCC, and I went from knowing pretty much everybody in high school to knowing nobody at college. I went from talking to everyone to talking to nobody, and that really affected me. That was really hard, and during that season, I got to a point where it was, it was hard to get out of bed. And my circumstances outweighed my want to serve. And I had lost the community that I had grown so accustomed to. And I stopped um, building my relationship with Jesus. I stopped coming to him. And it was at that time that I was just trying, just like the third servant, I was just trying to keep what God had given me. I, I didn't have the capacity or the imagination to grow it, to invest it. So I absolutely relate with that third servant. Thank you for sharing that, Mikhail. And I, um, I think it's like a common ground for all of us. We all go through a season. See, you and I, we know we are physical beings, but we're also spiritual beings. There is a soul part of us that needs care. And I think sometimes I know I am really good at caring for my physical needs. I'm hungry, I will eat. <laughs> like... Most of the time, and if I don't, then I'm not, a, I'm not someone pleasant to be around, so just be warned. Um, but, you know, I'm really good. Like, I, I, you know, I feel hunger, so I will go and eat. I'm, I take care of that physical need. If my bladder is full, I will go and empty it. I will take care of that physical need. But sometimes what happens is we forget the spiritual care that we need as, you know, being beings that God created. He gave us a soul, and some of us are not very good at soul care. And I think like Makayo explained, there comes seasons in every one of our lives that we go through what is called the Mary and Martha syndrome, right? Or the Mar Martha syndrome, where we get so occupied with serving, and some of us, Christians especially, we're like, we're going to serve and we're going to give. And we serve and we serve and we give and we give and we stress out about all the things and we forget 
to spend time with the one we are serving. And so we forget to be like Mary and be at the feet of Jesus. So for the seasons of our life, when this happens, or you know what, what's, what's happening a lot now too, is that we are so distracted by our digital devices that we don't make time to sit with Jesus. And all this, we are not taking care of the soul like Micaiah shared. We're not really. So then we get ourselves in the seasons of impoverishment, in the seasons where we're like, man, there is nothing there. I don't feel it. I can't connect with God. And so thank you for sharing that, Micaiah. And, and with that, I want us to look into our imagination. See, in the opening story, Tim Mackey said that he found himself blinded to the reality of God. And when we don't take time to invest and connect to the source of hope that our soul needs, the creator of our soul, I think we become blinded to the reality of God. So let me ask you this. What is the first thing you think about when you think about God? What is the first thing that comes to mind when you think about God? Because your view of God, what you think of him, what you imagine about God, will determine the choices you make and the way that you live. So, you know, I was like, what did the servant see? What did he experience? What led him to say, I knew you were a harsh master? And we don't really know. It doesn't give us much detail, but he jumped to that conclusion. And so my question to you is, do we see Christ as a harsh man? What is our view of God? Do we see him as a harsh man with unfair and unrealistic expectations of us? If we do, it will cause us to live our present days in fear with unprofitable results. Dallas Willard, in his book, Renovation of the Heart, writes, we don't believe something by merely saying we believe it, or even when we believe what, that we believe it. We believe something when we act as if it were true. And so this servant acted on what he believed of his master. And that belief led him to be afraid of losing the talent that he was entrusted with. And see, back in the day, burying money was a very common practice. So he was doing what he had seen. This is what we do. But I think what God is inviting us to is, okay, you've seen what is done, but I want you to imagine more. I want you to do more than what you think you should do. I want you to imagine. I want you to invest. I want you to take your energy. I want you to sit with me. And see, I think that the reality is that when we are deeply in the presence of God, we're able to receive and dream and believe. And it's in the presence of God that our fears are exposed. 
that we come to realize, man, where is that thought coming from? Where is that fear coming from? Because fear, what it does, and you know this, it distorts our perception, right? It's like the mirror, the fun mirrors that you walk into at fairs or at different locations. I know OMSI has one where one makes you look really short. I didn't like that one. And then the other one makes you look really tall. I took a picture with that one. It just distorts the reality of what really is, and that's what fear does. It negatively impacts our imagination. It's like um, the, 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 one of the authors in, in the book, Imagination Redeemed, puts it this way. It's like inside of us, in, in, our, in our hearts, there are two. There are, are two things happening. And one is a design company that is like Pixar who puts out wholesome movies that inspire and have soundtrack that is, that is motivational like uh, the Toy Story movie or WALL-E. And then there is another side of our hearts that is like that B-roll movies that are putting out movies like the Chainsaw something, Texas something. I, I've never watched it, don't want to watch it. I watch something scary and it will influence my imagination and I will start thinking all kinds of crazy stuff. So I stay away from that stuff. That's me. So inside of us, there's these two things. There's a Pixar and there's, there's this B-roll company. That, so, so which one are we going to let run our lives? This is what, what the author suggests. Let's take all the funding from this B-roll and put it into the one that we want to hear the soundtrack that inspires, that we want to believe and see the goodness of God and create things that we've never created. So I am inviting you to take inventory. I'm inviting you to look closely at your imagination, an imagination audit, if you will. This week, I want you to take note, and these questions are found in that book, Imagination Redeemed, and these are the questions you can ask yourself. What memories or dreams or mental pictures have been particularly vivid? Or how have they been impacting me? How have they made me feel? Which of those mental pictures have been encouraging and life-giving? Which have been destructive and life-sucking? And how do they stack up against God's word? See, if there is... If there is fear in any of what God has entrusted you with, I'm inviting you to name it and talk to Jesus about it. I know that for me, when I became a mom and being entrusted with Charlie, that, was, that, that came with a lot of fear. There was a fear of what the future would look like. Will she have all the health difficulties that children typically have that are affected by this extra chromosome? I didn't know. And so there was a part of me that even feared looking at a future because all I could imagine was the worst case scenario. So in every season of our life, we're going to be entrusted with the talent. And, and, but I love that that parable says he gave it to them according to their ability. So guess what? If you've been given it, whatever it is, there is an ability in you to be able to see that flourish and grow.
And so whatever that fear is, if there's fear in what God is giving you, whether it's relationships, finances, abilities, talents, gifts, would you name it and talk to Jesus about it? See, you and I are supposed to be on mission with Jesus. That is our purpose. If you didn't know what your purpose on earth was, let me tell you, it is to be on mission with Jesus, loving God and loving people. And fear will keep us from that mission. When Jesus tells us to love our neighbor as ourselves, not our navel, our neighbor, (laughs) he is calling us to an imaginative act. Will we think of ways to love on people? Will we dream and imagine ways we can serve them? And I want to share a story with you of my friend who I'm going to call Jay just to protect his privacy because I'm not sure he wants his name out there. But he is part of our Evergreen community, and he gave me permission to share the story. But see, he is living on mission with Jesus and imagining a future where he and a team of people can help families in a humanitarian need. He says, it started with a literal dream or literal dreams about batteries and chemical formulas. After years of tinkering with technology, God invited the three of us to a journey of faith where we started gift labs God invited us to forget all the preconceived notions of what business looks like and trust the Lord and lead not in our own understanding. We now co-create or imagine with the Holy Spirit to bring divine technologies down to earth to advance the kingdom of God. And there are now six months um, from going to market with a personal fuel cell that produces USB power that's specifically designed to help families with humanitarian needs to power their phones, power their tablets, power lights, power radios. And Jay says, this is a convergence of business and ministry where people matter more than profit. Where technology is a vehicle to reach the vulnerable. We're reaching people with the good news of Jesus Christ is the ultimate goal. I love that. I love that this business got started because they dared to trust and imagine God with the dreams that they're having. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. So I have a question for you to think on this week, another one. What would you do with unlimited resources? And Mikhail, I want you to answer that question. What would you do with unlimited resources to help youth find and follow Jesus here, near, and far? Yeah, well, let's start with the here, right? Students, and and I think we as people, we desire authentic relationships. And what that looks like and and what's most meaningful for a student is having someone that they know at every game, at every event, at every performance, meeting with them every week, getting coffee or lunch, having that that community, that family. In in any youth, we, we, we call ourselves a family. And really, that's, that's inspired me is, is you guys. 
is how Evergreen comes together as a family. And if we were to imagine what it looks like for us to be in every student's life, I am just one of the, the countless examples that gets to find Jesus because of community. That's where we can imagine more here, is being authentic with our relationships with students. And, and the near piece. What if we were to imagine having a group in every school where every student has the opportunity to hear the good news that is Jesus? What if they're given that opportunity? Because when we look at it, we break it down. A student on average spends 14,000 hours in school from kindergarten to 12th grade. In comparison to that, they spend about 1,400 hours in a faith-based community, whether that's youth group or Sunday mornings or what else. That is 10% of that time. What if we were to imagine more of that percentage? What if that percentage was able to grow and part of that is by doing that in schools, providing that opportunity for them. So if you're in here and you are you're a teacher, you are on staff at a school, you are a parent or a grandparent who's involved with a, a sport on the coaching team or on the booster club, what would it look like for you to imagine more for our students and their opportunities in school? To be able to spend time and, and really get to know their Heavenly Father outside of the church and giving them that opportunity. And for FAR, Youth on Mission. We want to provide an opportunity for students to be able to go see the world, to see God's creation and God's people and some of the needs that they have, and being able to do that with their friends and their peers, because there's something powerful when we experience something with someone else. It makes it that much more memorable, that much more real, and it really drives home the fact that we are made to be in community. And that community stretches across the world, and, and technology makes it so easy to be able to see anyone we want to see, really. See anywhere we want to go in an instant. But there's something powerful about seeing it with your own eyes and experiencing it for yourself. So what would it look like to imagine sending our students on mission trips, allowing them to get out in the community, share God's love, and be able to use what they have to invest in others around the world. Evergreen, um, I'm so thankful for you. I, I, I am an example of one of those students who you took what you had and invested into me. And I'm so excited and honored that now it's my turn to do that for your students, for your grandkids. So thank you. And as a, as a church, let's, let's imagine more. Let's get excited about youth. They are, they are incredible. I couldn't say enough good things about them. <laughs> I, I really can't. So let's imagine more. You know, one of the things that I've been seeing um, in the news is that, um, man, youth will show up. There was an influencer that invited youth to show up in New York, Times Square, and thousands of youth showed up. And what was when what was promised to them didn't come true, they went, they went crazy, and they destroyed a few things. But that's the power of an invitation. And that is how willing our young people are to respond. 
And so would we imagine a place where we are intentional about inviting what we are calling the now generation. They, yeah, we've, we've known them as the next generation, but we are saying they are the now generation. It is now where they get to step in on mission at their schools. It is now where they get to step, step in in mission, on mission, even in their homes. I love that about you, Mikhail. You said, I will continue to attend church and be about Jesus. And you lived it in your home. And I mean, I have to ask Isaac and your parents to see if that's really true. But anyway, uh, maybe after service we can connect. But, you know, you were on mission. And you and I get to imagine a future. We get to dream. We get to build what only God can do here in Hillsboro. And let me tell you, I don't know if it's me, I don't know if it's prophecy, but there is something that God is doing in the community of Hillsboro that is just going to blow us away. And he's inviting us to say yes. He's inviting us to go on mission with him, to be on mission with Jesus. And worship band, you better get up here because I can go for another hour. So um, let's, let's end this soon. Um, but we're inviting you to imagine what would it be like to be on mission with Jesus in your workplaces, in your homes, in your communities, the places where God's called you. Man, that, that new Hidden Creek Park, what would it be for you to be on mission at that park while your kids are playing, you connecting with the other parent and being on mission? Because God's called us. He's entrusted us with so much. But will we allow fear to allow us to hide? Or will we trust him and dare to dream and imagine more than what we'd ever hope for or imagine what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no mind has imagined, what God has in store for those who love him? Would you close your eyes right there where you are? Now, I want you to imagine not only a future for here at Evergreen, but a future in our community, in Hillsboro, in Washington County, the neighborhood that you've been sent to, neighborhood where you live. See, there are people there who are in real need of hope. There are people there who are living in darkness that do not know what light is. So would you imagine with us, will you be on mission? And one of the ways you can do that is by continuing to be generous with your time, time, talent, and treasure. So thank you for those of you that have committed to financially support this mission. And maybe you're here and you've never given, and I'm asking you, would you start at 1% if 10% is too much for you? Maybe you've been here and you've never considered giving of your time. Would you step out in faith and allow God to be honored in the way that you serve, whether it's in eKids, as a greeter, as a digital host? I don't know. Whatever gift and talent God's given you. Or maybe it's stepping into community and joining a small group for the first time. But Lord, we invite you right now. Holy Spirit, I ask that wherever fear has been present, wherever we've allowed our imaginations to 
fantasize about evil things or to fantasize for our own selfish pressure, Lord, that you would be the one to come in. Lord, that we would surrender and that your Holy Spirit would allow us to dream and imagine. Lord, such a wonderful community. Lord, I want to see people trusting, being healed, being restored, being renewed. I want to see young people knowing their purpose and living on mission with Jesus. Lord, we want to imagine a future where salvation is present and hope is an anchor to our souls. Lord, we pray wherever fear has been present in our thoughts, in our imagination, that you would bring your freedom and your healing in your security, God. Lord, we want to trust you with what you've trusted us with. So Lord, help us to do that today. And with everybody's eyes closed, if you're in this room and maybe you've not trusted your life to Jesus, you've not put your faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the Bible says that God loves you, he created you, he loves you, but you and I, we, 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 we sinned, we messed up. We lived our selfish ways and that's why Jesus came to pay the debt that we couldn't pay for our sins. He died on the cross, but on the third day he rose again so that you would not only have forgiveness of sins, but have eternal life. So if you're in this room and you've not made that decision, you've not made the choice to give and your, uh, give your life to Jesus and put your faith in Jesus and follow Jesus, that today you would have that opportunity to follow Jesus. So with everybody's eyes closed, if you're in this room, and if you are joining us online, would you type in Jesus if you're saying yes to Jesus today or making that decision? And if you're in this room and you want to make that decision today with everybody's eyes closed, would you look up at me so that I can look at you and I can agree with you that that is a decision that you are making today? Just right where you are, look up at me so that I can agree with you. Lord, we thank you. I see you. I agree with you. If there's anybody else, just right where you are, I see you. I agree with you. If there's anybody else, just right where you are. Father, we thank you for your gift of salvation. We thank you for the gift of imagination. Lord, we thank you that it is through you and in you that we can picture and imagine a better tomorrow. Lord, we love you and we trust you. And we want to be able to be people that stir hope and faith in others. So, Father, thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your forgiveness. And thank you so much for Jesus. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.